The Grand Old Podcast returns as Celtic fall 19 points behind Rangers. Are our hopes of 10 in a row now dead in the water? If so, what can still motivate us all between now and May? And after that, where will Celtic be? There's all that, plus Peter Lolchat, Kieran Tierney and New Year's resolutions, all on this week's Grand Old Podcast. Right, we better get into this. Joining me, Hamish, today is Paul. Hi, Hamish, how are we doing? I'm okay. And John? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm grumpy. I was grumpy yesterday. I'm a little bit better today. I'm relaxing, looking out over the, the River Tay, can you believe it or not? Um, and I'm feeling pretty chill. But, um, yeah, we need to get into it. Another, another autopsy, Hamish, another autopsy. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, We've had plenty of practice this season, haven't we? But you're right, we've got another one. Let's get right into the debate then. We're 19 points behind Rangers now at the top of the Scottish Premiership. Um, Half a season has gone. We're now in January. For you, Paul, is is the league now gone? As things stand, the league is is gone, unfortunately. So I think to to say otherwise would be clutching at very few straws that remain. It's, it's a horrible situation to be in, and especially at this time of year. If it was March or April, you'd be you'd be resigning yourself to to whatever. There's always going to be a glimmer of hope somewhere, but I think now that we didn't win that game, it's it's it leaves us such a mountain to climb that I think um, Edmund Hillary Edmund Hillary would be struggling. So <laughs> who? Jeez. Paul, we've got a reputation for being the Posh Boys podcast and you're not helping with that part. Uh, first guy to claim Everest, it's not that hard. <laughs> right, John, John, you've, you've got some strong views on this, John, in terms of what, yeah. just, just, well, I hope so. You've got strong views on most things. Um, <laughs> don't take that the wrong way, sorry. <laughs> no, let me know why you think the, the league is now over for Celtic. Um, it's just too far gone now, I think, that and you look at Rangers over their first 22 games, I think they've dropped four points, um, and now we need them to drop 10 points over their next um, 16 games, and we also need to beat them twice, and we need to win all of our games. <laughs> um, so we need to go into a, a 19-game winning run in the Scottish Premiership, along the way beating them at Ibrox, beating them at Celtic Park, and also hoping that they somehow drop 10 points, which, let's be honest, lads, it's not going to happen. Um, the league's done. People will want to cling on to it. Um, I actually understand and sympathise with that viewpoint. Nobody likes to concede anything, especially when you follow Celtic so closely. I can understand why people are still having hope and and want some sort of great sporting comeback, but for me, just looking at it, I don't want to bullshit people and I don't want to try and string them along in any way. Um it's just done for me. Yeah, unfortunately so. I mean, but to be honest, up to this at this point, you know, the, the way their game panned out was was good from our perspective um, in terms of the performance, but the result wasn't much of a surprise to me. And so I've kind of we've kind of been waiting for this moment for a while. Um, and it's another hefty bump in the road of this, this season. 
Yeah, we're, as I said at the start, we're 19 points behind Rangers now. You're right, they've got 16 to, games to go. We've got 19 to go. Uh, Rangers have dropped four points from a possible 66 so far this season. We need them to drop, you say 10, I say probably at least 11, given the goal difference in their favour, from 48. So when you consider they've dropped four from 66, I mean, that could happen. But you're right, John, that would still mean that we'd have to take 57 points from 57. Uh, So far this season, we've taken 43 from 57 so that's a major turnaround um yes we've got three games in hand and people will will cling to that like nothing else but um if you actually look at the games in hand we've got one of them's at home to Aberdeen which is absolutely no gimme uh, and one of them is away to Livingston who are maybe the form team in the country at the moment I think they've won seven seven in a row yeah seven in a row I mean yeah I'm, I would be worry about that Livingston game at this point I know Celtic are playing decently again but um yeah, that's just no, no joke at all. Um, so it's like it's a situation now of where we go from here, isn't it? That's that's the way I'm feeling. It's like, what do we do from this point on, rather than you know, twiddling our thumbs about what's gone wrong, if you know what I mean. Right. Well, I'll just score that big part of the plan out then, Will, and we'll just move on to what's <laughs> to come. No, that's no, 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 fin- no. The final point I'll make. I just think. I think you're right, John. Some some Celtic fans, you can understand why people are still clinging on to the hope because, you know, it's the hope that, that kills you, but also it's the hope that keeps you going in, in life and in sport. But for me, you know, just come to terms with the fact that Rangers are going to win the league this season. It will make it easier to, to see those horrible scenes in May when, you know, Gerard and Morelos and Tavernier and, and Duds like that are lifting um, the league title above their head. So get over it. Let's get on with it. Um January the 2nd, the league is lost. We move forward now, Paul. What what realistic, I don't know, goals, expectations can we have to keep us going between now and May? I, I don't think that, I, I honestly don't think you set any realistic, any targets. I think the, the league being gone, obviously we've got the Scottish Cup, but right, okay, we could win a trophy. Um, but does that give a stay of execution for? X, Y, and Z players or um, managers, coaches, stuff like that. You don't want this. Needs to be the time that we probably should have done this two or three seasons ago. This needs to be the time where the long term goals and aims are looked at. It can't be a case of, all right, what we're going to do next season. How are we going to be able to to compete with with Rangers? How are we going to be able to compete on a European front? Um, and what are we going to? What is our, our aims going to be for next season? This season, I think we write it off. I think we do what we can in the league. The pressure is now. Well, we don't have pressure. I don't think the the fact that we'll be we'll turn up and we'll see if we can win games, and we'll we'll try and get a run of form together and and push on in the European qualifiers. A lot of the the players, I think, Celtic players will be looking forward to to Euro twenty twenty. Um, you've got Ryan Christie, Griffiths will be trying to get in that squad. They'll be helping their players out to do things like that. I think in terms of Celtic season, Scottish Cup is is, is the only thing that you're kind of looking at to win. But at, at, at this stage, are you are you really caring about that? Is it not more about regaining the the hierarchy of the of the the country and and being the best team? I think that's the long term goals have to be put in place and. It starts with the boardroom and, and who we're going to get in to replace Neil Lennon, who we're going to get into um, into that defence to improve it and, and who we're going to get to replace players that are leaving. 
Yeah, I think I think I think that's a really fair point. I'll, I'll give you three goals that I've looked looked up first, and then John, I'll let you come in. First one is for me winning the Scottish Cup. Um, yes, you could say that we got a bit tired of winning trophies like that over the last few years, but I certainly think that it's it's important for um, the future of this team. Um, to, to win something this season. I don't think you can go from winning everything to winning nothing, uh, you know, from one season to the next. So for me, winning the Scottish Cup has to be a, a realistic game for Celtic. Um, you're going to absolutely hate this. And this is a, a dark, dark moment, possibly the darkest sentence ever been uttered on this podcast. Um, but I think stopping Rangers going unbeaten is a genuine aim for us in the second oh, half of the season. Jesus. Because you know they they are they are now what, what did I say earlier? Twenty two games into a thirty eight game season, they've dropped four points. Um, we cannot let them become invincibles. Yes, it wouldn't be invincibles the same way we did it in all three tournaments, but them going unbeaten this season would be horrendous. And just finally, third game, um, I, I think we have to plan for a future without the likes of Edward and Ayer, and we have to get mm. players like Barkas, Ayeti, and Sorrow. Uh, you know, into the first team and, and have them as mainstays. Yeah, I think um, the the situation we're in, they've made a number of decisions, I feel like, that have backed us into a corner and they've all kind of colluded with each other to keep us there. I think that the points that you've raised, the two points that you've raised together um, there that's important is what we're going to do with the players whose contracts are expiring in less than 18 months. And I think Celtic have let this drag on a bit. I think there was pressure on them to keep these players at the club for the 10 in a row bid, which you know, I can understand. But there perhaps should have been more of a push to sign them up to a year's extension or at least stagger their, their contracts expiring because we're at a situation now where it's, what is it, Christie, Edward, Ayer? And Cham. And Cham, who's, yeah. So um, those are four major assets in the transfer market. and And so... The club need to make urgent decisions on this. But most of all, what I want to see from the club over the next five months is um, a recognition that they've been taking the support for granted. And um, this is maybe wishful thinking, but they need to communicate a long-term strategy. And they need to have a serious think about, say, a five-year plan. And they need to communicate that to supporters. And that's not asking too much. I've seen this kind of communication with supporters from the likes of Aberdeen, from the likes of Rangers, they communicate with their fans about what they're doing with the football department. Celtic fans can no longer take for um, take as a given that the right men are in charge of the right departments at Celtic. That just can't be taken for granted anymore, and the club need to communicate that. They can't hide behind the PR man. They can't hide behind um, fences. They can't, literal, literal fences. They can't hide behind this anymore. They've been exposed and they've been badly exposed. I think people have been badly exposed at all levels of the club, from the board to Neil Lennon to the players. And there needs to be accountability now. And if they want to keep their jobs, if they want, if they still feel like they're the right people to take charge of Celtic, they need to communicate with supporters and lay out a long-term vision that isn't just a soundbite about we want to do better in Europe. How do you want to be better in Europe? What are you going to do to achieve that? What are our targets? And, you know, you don't need to make uh, explicit reference to the amount of points that you're you're hoping to get in the Europa League or the Champions League, but what are the targets and who's going to be held to account for it if we fail to do that? Um, I don't want to speak too long on, on this, but 
that's that's really what I'm looking for from Celtic over the next few months. Um, the Scottish Cup's fine. Obviously, I want to see us win a trophy. I want to see us play good football. Um, but long term, that's what I want. But it's so tricky now because what what do we even do with Lennon? What do we even do with these players in January? Is the whole project a bust? What what are Celtic going to do now? I, I mean, I think Celtic are going to feel going to try to retreat into themselves and, and feel hard done by yesterday because the performance was good and a perceived referee, refereeing decision went against us. So, what are the club going to do? They're going to keep Lennon, aren't they? So, what does that mean for our long-term future? For, for now, they're going to keep Lennon. Yeah, my argument straight away would be what the hell is the point? Because for me, there is no way, and I know this will sound daft when they've stuck by Lennon through everything, but there is no way that if we don't win the league this season, which is obviously going to happen now, we're not going to win the league, there is no way that Neil Lennon can take us into next season. There's no chance that can happen, is there? You, you say it's wishful thinking, but are they are they looking at a strategy now of right? The league's probably ninety nine percent out of our grasp. But is that are they looking at right? We'll continue on just now. We'll we'll have new Lennon in the squad that we've got. We might make some improvements in January, and then there'll be a handover. I know that it's, it's, it's probably not going to happen that way, and they're not going to have somebody lined up, but. You would hope that if, if Lennon isn't going to be the man that's going to lead us um, from the end of July in the qualifiers onwards, that, that the club would be looking outward and seeing right who who's available, who could come in. Can we get somebody primed and ready uh, and the understanding that that's when it's going to be? Um, it's going to be a difficult situation because if these guys are out of work or at a smaller club telling them that, all right, we need to wait four or five months before you can actually come in at this job, they'll say, well, why don't you want me just now? Um, exactly. Get them in now, give them a few months to work with the players, you know, give them a January transfer window to sign some players for next season, you know, and give them a few months to bed in. I don't understand, does anyone possibly think Neil Lennon is the right guy to take us into next season? And if the answer to that is no, then why why would he still be allowed the rest of this season? Well, what I'll say is, and personally, I, I don't see the point and changing the manager right now because, and I, I did a couple of months ago, um, but I don't really see the point at the moment. What we're going to do then will be kind of in a rush to appoint someone. We, the Celtic need to take a, they, they're not in a position, I don't think, to make that change right now. That's that's my problem. If we'd been, if we've been looking for managers, you know, up to this point over the last two months and we've been looking ahead and we've got someone to come in right now, then I would say and that would be the long-term pick. But I just would have a fear that Celtic would um, rush the appointment. Um, they certainly didn't deal with the exit of Brendan Rodgers well um, in terms of looking for potential candidates with the files that were supposedly still in Peter Lawwell's drawer. So I just don't really see the point of sacking Lennon now. And it's not a it's not a backing Lennon thing. It's just a, it's just a reality. If we sack him now, you know... Th- if a manager does come in and he, if he's the long-term choice, then then that's great. But then he's immediately under pressure to secure results. I know that the league's over for for many people, but say we, you know, there's an, an initial drift and there's initial problems. Um, you know, there's not going to be much confidence heading into next season. The most successful managers that have come in and revolutionised Celtic over the years that I can remember are Martin O'Neill and Brendan Rodgers, and they both came in at the end of a season and kind of just gave everything a lift over the summer period. 
And I think that's probably what we need again. I don't think we're going to get a revolutionary change from a manager mid-season in January when it's difficult enough as it is. I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying bring someone in and help us win the league or even try and win the Scottish Cup. I'm just saying, surely it makes sense to get them in now like Leicester did with Brendan Rodgers. They got him in in February for a reason and they saw the benefits of it the following season. They didn't see the benefits of point. it straight away, but they saw it the following season. To me... That is what big clubs do. They make the decision now. They don't wait. And and again, for me, that there's a danger that us as fans, we, we overcomplicate how difficult it is to get a new manager. Do what most any big club would do. You know, come up with five or six candidates. There are managers out there. God, us three in this podcast have come up with names that, in my opinion, are realistic you know, take your time with it. You've now got a few months, but get moving with it. I just feel like the club are just going, oh, it's Neil Lennon now. Uh, we'll see if he can maybe work a miracle between now and May. Maybe he can win the Scottish Cup and as Paul says, have a stay of execution. And then we'll see if he doesn't, we'll maybe make a rash decision in the summer. It's like plan ahead and make the change or start putting the wheels into motion now. So you you want a signal where it's like Lennon goes and yeah, they say... Yeah, I want a Ronnie Dyler. Yeah, yeah. The, Lennon goes and there's, or Lennon says that he's going at the end of the season, or Lennon yeah, goes yeah. and there's an interim manager. I'd be happy with either. The, the difficulty I think with that is that if you're comparing us to like, a side like Leicester, it's going to be a very tricky situation. You would be Leicester fans aren't expecting to win that the Premier League. They know they've won it once. They're not. They're not going to go. Well, we've got this guy coming in. We, we, we think we will win the league. They're thinking, right, we might get into the Champions League or we might qualify for the Europa League. When it comes to Celtic, it's it's it's, it's maybe a cliche, but we want to be winning every game. And to have someone and think, right, well, we're going to bed him in for a few months. As John said, the pressure is automatically on. And to get someone in before the the end of the season, I think, is, is difficult because obviously you need to find the right person. You need to work out the negotiations of, of Neil Lennon and whoever else's exits along the way while you're trying to deal with a kind of a shit show of a league season. It's it's very, very tricky things to do, I think, behind the scenes. There's going to be a lot going on. But then you also look at the fact that there's not I know you're saying there's not it's not really comparable, but with Ronnie Dyler, how much pressure were we really under when we announced that he was leaving at the end of the season? There wasn't the same That's another good point. Comp- yeah. There's there wasn't any competition of note. I know, obviously, in his kind of last, uh, kind of mid uh, middle East last season, we kind of struggled a wee bit in the league, but it was never as if we were actually under any real threat. So I think going into next season, we, we now know that the Rangers are, are a good side. There's no getting away from it, and we need to be planning to to compete alongside them and, and be going on these long unbeaten runs in the league. And I think with a strategy that maybe five years ago would have worked, I don't think it will work the same way. How much pressure are we really under now, though? I mean, the league's yeah. away. Well, Is anyone really scared that we're going to finish third? I'm not. We're going to finish second. Yeah, I mean, I think I get Paul's point, and I actually think it's valid. But again, you know, that needs to come with an effective communication strategy from the club to set expectations that things might not be glo- might not be rosy for a while. That might take a while, and and set expectations that they're bringing a manager in with a long-term view 
um, and that they're committing to this man to kind of rebuild Celtic, and that that's what we need. And they, but they need to lead the charge on that and communicate that with supporters because I think it's an insult to the intelligence if they do. You know, it's an insult to the intelligence of supporters if to think that fans wouldn't back that. Um, they they might not back that if a manager comes in and that the, you know stonewall silence from Celtic and nobody really knows what the situation is. But if they communicate effectively and clearly that they're bringing in a manager for the long term, and that over the short term results might not be what we've come to expect over the last few years, then I would be happy with that. Um, and I and I think that most fans would. You know, people don't live in cloud cuckoo land. People realize the 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 kind of realities of modern football there's no getting away from it if we can see a clear concise plan being followed and, and stuck to over the next few months then i'm happy to have a 3-3 draw against Livingston. do you know what i mean like it's not a yeah. big deal well what does it matter really it, the, as i say that the league's away now for, for me when you look at the difficulties we we're going to have in the summer and you're going to have odds and edward leaving the club almost certainly you're going to have um i think christopher Iyer. i don't see christopher Iyer sticking around for another season uh, ryan christie i'd say would be about 50 50 whether he leaves and i think in cham will go in cham's obviously barely played um over the last few while so that's not quite as um much of a loss as the other three but you've got three first team players leaving there um three really important players for the team over the last couple of years when you add that into the fact that arrivals across the city are going to have a shot at the champions route to get to the champions league group stage which i'm pretty sure they will take seeing how they play in europe um i think we're really up against it next season and for me the only way we counteract that is by getting in another top manager another brendan rogers like appointment a guy who can raise the standards the premier league standards as you always talk about john who can bring in premier league talents the players like scott sinclair musa dembele and even colo turi to a lesser extent who who really upped the the whole squad at Celtic and yes Brendan Rodgers transfer record was really poor and that's another issue at the club the recruitment but in terms of those three players he brought in in his first summer they immediately raised the standards we need something like that to happen because otherwise I have a fear that we're going to end back up in like the kind of Ronnie Dyler type quality of team because I think if you take Edward and I out of that squad you know there's not a great deal of quality left in it there's good players who can be good but they're not there yet and when you compare that to Rangers who as much as they were poor yesterday Rangers have massively raised the standards at their club since Gerard came in um, you know it's a really really worrying it's time a, ahead for Celtic it's a crazy situation like I know Shane Duffy's not been good right but if you look at the squad, you know, there's been an over-reliance on loan players again over the last couple of years. Even Fraser Forster, we backed ourselves into a corner on that one. Um, I mean, if we're looking at the summer, you know, most of those players that you mentioned will leave. So will El Unissi probably, and so will Forster. And, uh, sorry, sorry, so will Duffy. And so we're we're left in a situation where half half our first-team squad is, is gone. Um, and I'm not sure if we've got the funds to replace it without Champions League revenue, which we've inexcusably missed out on um over the last few years despite being the top seeds in the pro in the champions route um that's un almost unforgivable and, and i think that's what a lot of fans who are the most unhappiness the most unhappy recognize that we had a massive opportunity to be in that champions league group stage year after year and we absolutely blew it we mm. just blew it um, and i don't think rangers are going to blow it 
No. Um, and so we're, we're, we're backing ourselves into another corner again. It's, it's quite depressing to think about, but this is why the club now have an opportunity to just hit the reset button. But whether they do that or not, I, I don't know. I, I actually don't think they're going to. I think they're going to retreat back into their old ways, into 1990s level of thinking and PR strategy and, and general strategy and treat the fans like mugs again. But the fans aren't stupid and, and that will be proven this May and this June when the season ticket renewals aren't yeah. as strong as they have been. Record season tickets uh, record season ticket sales this season, by the way. Record season ticket sales in a year where most people knew that they would be locked out of games for at least half the season and possibly more. In the middle of a global pandemic that's been taking away people's livelihoods and jobs and putting financial pressures on other people, people on furlough. Loads of people. I know loads of people who were on furlough. And this wasn't a few fans. This was like a, a large section of the support. Um, and so it's just, it's ridiculous, to be honest. And But they'll, they'll, they'll be found out. They're going to be found out. Yeah. I hate comparing this to Rangers because it's something that none of us really like doing. But if you look at Rangers and quite similar to Liverpool down in England, they've taken a long-term approach to this. And Rangers rode back to, you know, winning the league, as painful as that is to say, has been a rocky one. And let's not forget if if COVID hadn't have intervened, I certainly don't think Stephen Gerrard would have even still been in a job at this stage. But the difference they had was that they weren't necessarily expected to win the league every season. Now, my question to you, mm. Paul, next uh, for the next couple of years, if this is going to be a real struggle for Celtic, can we afford to take a real long-term approach and say, like, we might not win the league next season or this season, but in two years' time we'll be back to, to dominate? And get, would Celtic fans go for that? I, I think some would go for it, as John said, like, people would accept if the, the communication is there, but I think it's going to be difficult to, to, be, to swallow that because of the dominance that we've had. Um, it's a completely different situation for Rangers when they've come in from nowhere and had no expectation of, of winning anything. They still haven't won a trophy and we've been winning and everything going. And then to say, right, by the way, for the next few years, you might not win anything is is not... Uh, I don't think it's... it's it shows the, the, the lack of forward planning. I think for the last three or four years, it's just been a case of, I will get over the line and we'll win. And obviously we've been lucky, lucky enough to win four Prebles in a row. Um, the cup games, the, the draws that we've had have been great. We've had a bit of luck along the way. But um, I think to to say that to fans and to expect them just to go, right, that's fine, we'll just accept it. It's going to be very difficult, I think. See, John mentioned season ticket sales will drop down and, and things like that. Um, but one thing I think is is key to look at is, and is if, if it's something else that we, we can do in this kind of intervening period, is there needs to be more chances for younger players. I think that is... Totally. We're going to lose. You mentioned all these players that we're going to lose, or we have a, a high chance of losing. And you look at the players in and around the squad that have come from the youth setup. There are very, very few of them, and even fewer are getting game time. You've had Stephen Welsh has had a couple of games. Um, you've always you've um, after that you're talking Ewan Henderson and Mikey Johnson are probably the other two young younger ones. Both mm-hmm. can count on two hands the amount of games the guys have had between them this season. And apart from that, it's it's reliance on loans, it's reliance on the old guard of, of Scott Brown, of Callum McGregor, of of James Forrest, obviously injured now, but it's there's no real standout stars. You've got Karim Okudumbele, where where is he? Like the, yeah. there's folk 
folk like that that you there's, need to be bedding there's in. Serious concerns about there's serious concerns about the youth development, and I know that I know that there is, um, and it's not just speculation. There's concerns there about the route between um, making some of these teenagers um, first team regulars and whether um, we have a pathway um, to let them do that or whether they see a pathway better placed at other clubs around the continent. And I know there's agents coming in and there's you know, recruitment people coming in and turning their heads, and Celtic can't really control that. But what they can control is giving young players a pathway, any pathway, and we simply don't have that at the moment. And, and I think that's been a failing um, of the club over the last few years as well. In many ways, you can understand that we're going for 10 in a row, etc. There's been so much hype and build up about that. But just to take Paul's point, that will be ha- what you know. Hamish's questionnaire about can the, can the support take that? Um, I think it will be hard to take. But the only way that they're going to take it, I think, is if there's a change at the very top. And I'm talking new chief executive, new chairman. If we can do that, and it's hard, you know, that's not a I hate Peter Lawwell thing. And it's hard for someone to um, consider their successor. But Peter Lawwell's in serious danger here, I think, because if he doesn't leave a if he doesn't leave a, a competent successor and a competent legacy, then you know most of the work he's done at Celtic will be um, forgotten about. I think, um, certainly by this generation of supporters. So he needs to have a succession plan in place, and I don't know whether he does have that or not. But that's certainly what he needs to have in place. And if we change the chief executive and the chairman, and there's a new strategy brought to the club. Then I think fans might accept, you know, they're not going to accept years of without a trophy, but they'll accept at least, you know, even if we, you know, run Rangers close in, in the league next season, then that's fine, you know. And we're not, maybe not going to win the league every year now, and there needs to be a, an acceptance of that from the supporters. Um, but if they can have a complete, um complete rethink across the club and then it's communicated effectively, then I think supporters would back it. You know, people will point to Peter Law's tenure at the club and they'll say, you know, he's done an amazing job when you look at some of the sales we've had, you know, the likes of Wanyama and Tierney and Dembele and Van Dyke, and they'll point to the quadruple treble and all of that kind of stuff. But there's so many, you know, black marks against his name as well, isn't there? In terms of the the failure in Europe um, over the last decade, we touched on it earlier, but, you know, we, we had nine shots at the Champions route, a, a route that was designed for clubs like ourselves and Ajax and Dinamo Zagreb and, and teams like that from, from smaller countries. And we made it four times out of the nine uh, and none of the last three we lost to... Um, Maribors and AK Athens and Cluj's and Ferencváros teams like that Malmo just just completely you know unforgivable if that was to happen a couple of times you'd be frustrated never mind five out of nine um, he's had you know he's won the last or he's he's been part of a, a Celtic club that have won the last nine titles but so many of them were were titles if we're honest we we couldn't really lose um certainly the, the first four or five of them when when they were out of the league um now I never like to diminish those achievements because that's all we could do is win them but if we'd have lost them it would have been a tragedy so I think as much as people will point towards the glory period of the last few years um I think all those trophies have certainly um, covered up what's been going on in the background and then when you add it into this season the complete disaster of the appointment of Neil Lennon the fact that he's you know as you said earlier put up fences around, around Celtic Park the statements that have been sent out 
the the backing of Neil Lennon when everybody um, everybody knew that, that Lennon's time was up. The the rumours in the media of you know entitlement and all that kind of stuff. Um, he really, really isn't in a good place. And for me, there's there's no way Peter Law can can continue next year. But but I don't know how how it works. Like I'm assuming if Peter Law wants to be in charge, he remains in charge. Um, or is uh, how how can Celtic fans influence this just by not picking up season tickets? I don't know the machinations of it at a board level. Um, there'll be other podcasts that are better placed to do that. Um, but what I would say is, yeah, if I think, yeah, if you're unhappy, fans need to vote vote with their vote with their cash at the end of the day. Um, again, record season ticket sales in the middle of a pandemic. It's, it's unbelievable. The backing that Celtic have had this season going for this, and they've managed to screw it up. And I don't think a lot of people will forgive them for it. And they're go- in for a rude awakening. If you thought the upper tier of the dialer years were bad, then just wait until you see what happens. You know, they might be, they might get away with it um, initially because. People are desperate to just be with other people in, in a room and not because there's going to be a limit on the number of fans actually allowed into games still probably. <laughs> yeah, so there's, it's just so messy. But Celtic need to realise that supporters want written brand strange at the club. It's not about a change of manager who just is not and keeping the same recruitment model in place. And it's not about that. It's not even about keeping pace of Rangers. You know, the people want Celtic to be the best club they can be with the resources they have. And we've fallen short of that very badly. Um, and people, you know, the quadruple tre- treble achievement was amazing, actually, um, I think. But you're right, some of those nine in a row years, um, we, we couldn't help but when, we could only, we, you know, we can't help who we've got to beat, but you're right, you know. Um there was they weren't in the league and then when they came back they were severely diminished and we did well to keep our foot in their throat for so long. But there was an arrogance there's been an arrogance there um from the club and probably from the supporters too, probably from ourselves, to be honest. Um you know, no one's no one's completely innocent here. It's just it's all managed to collide at the same time. Um and it's all hit the fans, so to speak. But it's how the club react from now, from this point onwards. It's whether they're willing to admit mistakes have been made and taking the steps to address them or, or address them or whether they just want to fly off to Dubai. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and I think we know the answer. <laughs> Hello there, wonderful listener of the Grand Old Podcast. I interrupt this amazing episode to tell you all about a partnership that's made in heaven. In the past, we've had Sutton and Larson, Hooper and Stokes, Duffy and Ayer, and now we have the grand old podcast in Manscaped, ready to make things happen. Are you in need of some below-the-waist grooming or hygiene products? Well, Manscaped know just how to help. They are the ballsiest company I've ever come across, quite literally. They have great products like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the name quite simply speaks for itself. The Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extracts. They also have the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which is brilliant, and their headline product, the best trimmer for your butt, balls and body, the Lawn Mower 3.0, with a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents and we all want to avoid them. 
So there's so much to get excited about and I have even more good news for you. As a grand old podcast listener, you can get 20% off as well as free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code GRANDPOD. That's one word, GRANDPOD. We have been sent a few of these products by Manscaped as part of our deal and we all genuinely love them. I fell in love with the comfy boxers so much that I bought four more pairs for my Christmas. John loves the Weed Whacker, while suspiciously both Paul and Ewan love the Lawnmower 3.0. So get involved yourself by going to manscaped.com and make sure to use the code GRANDPOD so that you get your discount and so that they know that we sent you. I've got I've got two questions, one for each use. Um, first one, you can whoever wants to answer them can answer them. First one is, is there a an argument for a, a Scott Brown like I'm going to say Scott Brown is the obvious example for for a real focus on him going forward in terms of being in, in, involved in the coaching side of things as, as he's been drifting away from the playing field. And the second question is, do you think that the club are looking across the city and thinking if Rangers win the league, Stephen Gerrard is going to jump at the first opportunity to go to the English Premier League so we can kind of keep ticking over. And then because they won't be able to have that resilience that they have from him as a manager um, with a replacement. I, regards to the second point, um, I think Rangers are more than Stephen Gerrard at the moment. I, I get the impression that a lot of the good you see on the pitch from, from that, and I, I say good, um, from their point of view, good, I think comes from the coaching staff. They've got um, the guy Beale and, and Culshaw, and I think Rangers recruitment um has been really good. Uh, the players they've brought in, if you, and I know it's easy to say in a winning team, but when you look at the players they signed this summer, players like Balogun, who you can actually see, you know, what he adds to to the, the Rangers team. And I don't particularly think Ruff. he's a good player. Yeah, I don't particularly think that you know Balogun and, and Roof to a lesser extent are amazing players, but they they're fit into the way Rangers play. When you look at our signings, you just like who who sanctioned the signing of Duffy, um, having scouted him and, and thinking that he would fit into our style of play. Who who sanctioned the signing of a Yeti and thought he would fit into our style of play and then decided to play a different way. Um, so for, for me, I think Rangers are, are far more than Steven Gerrard. For a start, I don't think Gerrard will be moving um, to any kind of English Premier League club straight away with, with the, the thought of Champions League football next year at, at Rangers. I think only Liverpool. His next job's Liverpool. So I think Klopp's like Klopp when... contract's up in a couple of years, so I think he'll be waiting mm-hmm. a couple of years for that. But yeah. if, if Man United win that league and Liverpool fail, it's is it going to go? That, that's the kind of thing that you, I don't know if that's just been me being fickle. That I know, I know what you mean. I know lose you the mean. league to Man United. You know the point. The point is moot though because I don't think Celtic should be using Rangers as a measuring stick in that kind of way, where it's like you're kind of. No, I, I don't think so. But do you, I think that's like some looking at out, outwards in. You look at the club might do. We wouldn't put past them. They might do. I think Peter Lawwell's obsessed with Rangers, and I don't. I, I honestly don't mind saying that, and people might scoff at that, but he's absolutely obsessed with Rangers. Um, and I know that. I know that he is, and so it's it's so difficult because the, he might do that. He might, you, Paul, Paul, you make a good point because he might do that, but that's that's the folly, isn't it? And because Celtic aren't focused on themselves, Celtic are focused on not focused on making themselves the best they can be and, and striving for excellence in every single department. It seems to just be doing whatever you can to save face and keep 
the supporters happy for another three months. That's honestly what it feels like to me. It feels like um, it kind of feels like they're winging it, and that's what it's felt like to me for a while. Um, and that's what needs to change. And I think that's why we need to complete change at the club. With regards to your first question, Paul, was it whether you think Scott Brown should be a future Celtic manager? Is that what you were getting at? Well, I don't think. I, th- I think it's more the fact that you think that the use this kind of period in between now and, and May that, that Scott Brown will be used in more of a kind of supporting role rather than a, a, on the field role. I know he probably has been to an extent, but is there going to be a push on it? It's more of a John Kennedy question, I think, isn't it? Rather than a Scott Brown one. Um, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but you know, John Kennedy's been moulded for this for years and it wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me at all if he's the next manager, to be honest with you. Yeah. And God, that's a, a pretty bleak thought. Right, guys, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move on from this. Um we've got plenty of time for the rest of the season to chat about these kind of things because there's not much <laughs> football that we're actually going to be able to get excited about so yeah we'll pick this up I'm sure at, at some date probably next week a um, couple of wee bits to finish guys did you see Kieran Tierney's goal last night for Arsenal? I did so yeah yes. cracker brilliant um, really good goal They've they've won the last three games now, Arsenal, after going in that really bad run. Um, Sky Sports News, actually, I happened to turn it on earlier, um, just in the background while I was um, planning for this pod. And they had a whole feature on Kieran Tierney, um, seeing how big a player he's been for them. Gabriel Agbonlahor, who's you know quite a um, big-name pundit for, for Sky Sports at the moment, um, saying that he thinks Arsenal should make Kieran Tierney their captain. So some interesting comments. He's becoming a bit of a superstar down there at the moment. Um, you know, Arsenal have had a terrible season, but I think they've won the last three games or something. And I think everyone, just about everyone down there, uh, fans, media, everyone is kind of crediting Tierney with that turnaround in terms of the leadership she's shown and the attacking ability he's shown. I think he's created more chances in the Premier League since the start of December than anyone. Um, so he's doing well down there. It's good to see him do well. You know, I, I want him to do well. It makes a mockery of those who said he should stay at Celtic for 10 in a row, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Unfortunately. He would, he, he would currently be part of a, a team that is not heading for 10 in a row. And as it is, he's he's you know doing really well. I, I think Kieran Tierney's just an excellent player. I actually, this may be controversial, but I actually think he... Um, I think he's better than Andy Robertson. Um, I think whenever you see him play mm. for Scotland, he, he outshines Andy Robertson. I know people may say that, that Robertson, in terms of his, his level at Liverpool and a better team, um, you know, has been a better player. But I just think Tierney's got everything. He can defend, he can go forward. So, yes, good stuff there. Um, final thing, guys, New Year just started. We've had fun. Any New Year's resolutions on the go, John? Um, try and not care about his football as much as I do. <laughs> uh, I know uh, this is just the general point, right? But I think a, a lot of people take football maybe a little bit too seriously <laughs> um, in the sense that of how much it affects our mids. I know he, uh, he says after a 1-0 derby defeat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just with what we do, we see just so much feedback and um, not from what we're saying, but just on Celtic in general. And there's just, everyone gets really angry. I don't think it's anger that we need. I think it's, I think it's just thoughtful criticism. <laughs> I know that sounds stupid. I know anger's inevitable, and but I just find it hard to be angry about anything over the last few years. You know, there's been stuff going on with me where you know 
I used to get angry about a lot of things, and then my dad passed away a couple of years ago, and I stopped getting angry about anything. Um, and then with the pandemic this year, I've got angry about even less things, um, other than the things that we should be angry at. So everyone just needs to take a zen state of mind for me. Um, you can, you can, you can be critical of things without letting it get your blood up. Is my point. So that's my New Year's resolution to continue that um, and become an even calmer person as the year rolls on. My one, and this is going to sound really daft for a football podcast, but mine is just to appreciate the good things in life and never take things for granted because, you know, if 2020 has taught us anything, is you, you can't take anything in your life for granted. Um, but hopefully it's a better year. Paul, I'm, I'm sure we're going to go from that philosophical approach to something about cookies or donuts or soup. <laughs> no, it's a wee... <laughs> Paul's New Year resolution is to quit the podcast. Apparently, <laughs> is he there? <laughs> oh, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. My New Year's resolution um, for 2021. I've got two, and they're both running related. Funnily enough, um, is <sighs> that I run a lot. Um, very boring, of course. But um, I want to run two and a half thousand kilometres, and I want to run a 10k under 40 minutes. Ah, so you're going for that's 10. At least it's not going on a um, film roadshow with the Barclay Marathons and trying to get people to watch it. <laughs> Great film. Recommend it highly. Right. Okay, lads, that'll do us for today. Good to know we can still have a wee laugh in these uh, these bleak times of Rangers dominance, but we will continue with the Grand Old Podcast. We're not stopping anytime soon. We're going to have podcasts coming out every week pretty much, with maybe a few gaps in 2021. And, yep, yeah, Celtic unlike arrivals, will always be there. They'll always be there to talk about and we can always get excited about. You've been listening to the Grand Old Podcast with Hamish, John and Paul. Speak to you soon. Bye.